They said we were crazy. They said it couldn't be done. But here we are, eight films deep, and welcome back to a very special Geeksplain Extra series that we're calling Into the Snyderverse, where three dudes review a movie aimed at female empowerment. I am your host, Eric Azana, and I am joined by <laughs> my two very special guest hosts. First, from the Scripts and Screams podcast, we have Chris Carter. Hola. Ooh, some Latin. Yeah, we're going ethnic. Yeah, that's for Rosie Perez. Perez. (laughs) And from the Artistic Liberties podcast, we have Andrew Kincaid. Hey, folks. Now, the film that we are uh, we are currently reviewing for this episode is, I would say, one of the more divisive films in the series. If you haven't been catching up with us, if this is the first time you're joining us, we've been going through the entire catalog of the DCEU in the build-up to the release of the Snyder Cut. And as we are recording this, Wonder Woman 84 has not dropped yet, so this is kind of like a mid-season finale for this, in essence, <laughs> in a in a sense, though... I mean, by the time this comes out, this entire intro will probably be obsolete. So I don't even know why I'm recording it. But here we are. (laughs) Birds of Prey 2020. uh, The most recent of the uh, DCEU films as of this recording. Directed by Kathy Yan, making history as the first female Asian director to direct a superhero film. Uh, the film has a screenplay written by Christina Hodson, which I think is also an interesting choice that I definitely want to touch on later. Um, this film is a roller coaster, and for the strict reason that it is the shortest DCEU movie in the entire catalog, this movie clocks in at a trim 109 minutes not even hitting the two hour mark uh the previous holder of the shortest dceu film was justice league at exactly two hours uh this film's interesting because this film was something that margot Robbie, who plays harley quinn and who played harley quinn in the 2016 suicide squad margot Robbie, ever since she got cast as harley quinn has been pitching this movie she pitched this film for three years straight 2015 to 2018 before warner brothers finally said you know what fine she was so focused on trying to get this made that this was the biggest thing that she wanted to put on her resume she already played the character but now she wanted to have i guess a say in how that character was treated um the film was pretty standard when it came to your uh, typical superhero production. However, during the reshoots, Chad Stahelski of John Wick fame was brought in for reshoots to punch up the action sequences. And I think it shows, personally. Um, It's really interesting, and it's a film that I have summarized in one sentence, and that is Suicide Squad Done Right. This film is the first film in the DCEU catalog that is strictly rated R. Uh, The ultimate edition of Batman v Superman doesn't technically have a rating, though it could be considered R. Uh, But this is the first film that was put out to theaters as a rated R film. Now, Chris, as someone who has gone through the entire catalog with us up to this point, someone who has 
basically seen the best and worst of what this uh, <laughs> franchise can give us. Do you remember the first time seeing this film in the theater or at home? And what did you think about it? I'm going to totally rip off Andrew and be like, yes, I remember last night very well. So <laughs> <laughs> callbacks to last episode. <laughs> I had not seen it or had any interest to see the only, I wouldn't have seen this had you not invited me on this, Eric. So um, I blame you for what I had to watch last night. <laughs> Solely you carry that blame. So just uh, me. Yeah, I, I will. T- I will carry yeah. that multicolored cross. <laughs> Andrew, yeah, do you I, remember seeing this film for the very first time? What did you think about it? Yeah, no, I remember around February or March, my uh, little sister. Years ago. Yeah, exactly, 40 years ago. Oh, at the <laughs> tender age of 17. No, but um, I remember February or March around that time. I had interest in seeing it. I wasn't sure if I wanted to go all out and go to the theater by myself. But my little sister texts me asking, hey, can we go see Birds of Prey together? I think this looks really fun. And I immediately said, absolutely, like 100%. Because I re- I actually really enjoy going to see movies with her because she actually has, we, we see a lot of the similar things in movies. We saw uh, Jurassic World together and we had a great conversation of just like, that was the most okayest movie. And like, <laughs> was so boring <laughs> and like it was, it was was just fine but not spectacular of what we wanted to and she shout had, out to andrew's sister and to uh dress world jillian kincaid um but we we went to go see it and she enjoyed it and like we both had a really good time with it and like it's kind of funny how chris and i have kind of switched <laughs> positions on a movie for once i'm usually the one who's all negative and saying things are terrible but don't don't believe him he's been nothing but positive this entire time just don't go back and listen to any of the previous episodes with, with bells on <laughs> not a single one <laughs> no i i remember it was a, it was a fun time at first go around yeah, I, I agree. I actually, I did see this opening day. We didn't go the night before because I'm an old man now. But we went and saw this in th- in the theater on opening day. We went to a, I think it was like a 10 a.m. matinee. And back then, back in the far-flung past of February, going to a theater at 10 a.m. was so nice because no one else was there. And you didn't have to interact with anyone. And my, how the world has fucking changed since then. <laughs> But, um, yeah, we went and saw it, um, and I remember having a really good time with it. I remember walking out of the theater and going, that was so much fun that I can't remember the things I thought that were wrong with it. And for me, when you can do that, I think the film has done at least something right. But the thing about this movie, and I think the thing that's kind of uh, misleading, is that the film is titled... Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. It was later changed to Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, and then changed once again to Harley Quinn colon Birds of Prey. I am going to put this question to both of you. Do you see this as strictly a Birds of Prey film? I'll start with Andrew. Um, ooh, that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Um... God, like it's really down the middle for me, and like this sort of yes and no. I'm a big Birds of Prey fan. I've Same. really been. I've really thought that like when the CW was 
kind of going when it was just Arrow and Flash, and it was this thing of just like, hey, we need to do a female super, we need to do a female superhero property. I was I was in the boat of just like, look, please reboot a TV Birds of Prey because this writes itself. It's so it would be so interesting to see just a diverse group of women trying to solve issues together in different facets and in different forms. Wait a second, but we already had the perfect Birds of Prey TV show. How dare you? How dare you, <laughs> sir? How dare you say that? Anyway, for all of you wondering, there is a brief mistake in the early 2000s, mid 2000s. Yes, early 2000s. Oof. I loved that show. It's so bad, but it's so good. That's the kind of thing in the same category with like Catwoman or like um like Suicide Squad where you can get plastered and just watch it and just like have a great have a grand old time. Now, for Chris, as someone who is not as well versed in the comics uh, scape, on the comic scape as Andrew and I are, would you have seen this movie? I mean, obviously we know now that you wouldn't have seen it regardless, but do you think <laughs> this movie would have been greenlit and filmed and shot if Harley Quinn wasn't part of the movie? 100% no. There's no fucking way. And I also <laughs> think that even in... in, 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 in <laughs> Quick story. I mean, Quick story. Pre- we were we were talking through like group texts, and Chris just straight up goes, "This movie was terrible. <laughs> it was so just like, wow, this is gonna be a fun." One. The the only and, and you said it. The only way that this movie gets made is because a Margot Robbie has so much star power, and b that's it. That's that's it. Because <laughs> the story the, the story is money. I didn't know first off. That there was a Birds of Prey thing. I thought maybe they were all named after birds because I know there's a canary and. You mean like Charlie's Angels? Well, sure. (laughs) Yeah, 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 something like that. Uh, You know, and so, but I didn't know. But knowing that, I think that'd be great. Yeah, like I think a a a female-led film with people with 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 females who have to kind of solve issues in 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 that kind of superhero realm but being human i think that's such a big caveat to as to say mm-hmm. they don't have superpowers or humans trying to solve these issues and i think that would be really cool i had no idea i just thought this was fucking some weird title that they had come up with <laughs> i hated i hated the title it tried to be funny and kooky and different mm-hmm. and again we established that i don't like funny kooky and different i think that <laughs> when you go all in with a property is popular as because Harley Quinn's popular right now, right? It, it's it's mm-hmm. impossible to argue that she's not. I mean, so so she's hot right now, and Margot Robbie is hot right now. So this had a lot going for it. So that again, that's why it got greenlit for sure. But I had no idea that this was part of a of a of of, of a group up, you know, or a, a suicide mm-hmm. squad with chicks. You know what I mean? I didn't know any of that. <laughs> so for so for me, it was a film about it was a film that had Margot Robbie in it as Harley Quinn, and I've got thoughts on that too. But no. I, there's no way in fuck this thing gets greenlit if it's not you know her money her pull you know no there's no way no way so as you can see uh chris is being very reserved in his opinions for this episode so we're gonna have to really drag those out of him as the episode goes on yeah uh, like a old white man. <laughs> no! <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, <laughs> I can't. 
um but this film truly i think this this film i think really does kind of live or die on harley quinn uh she is arguably the main character for the whole thing hers is the only unique name in the title um and there's a reason that after the first couple weeks at the box office it wasn't getting the returns that they thought that uh, the film would. They started to change the name to put Harley Quinn at the forefront. But this film and the story really is about Harley Quinn trying to stand on her own. And this kind of puts us in a weird place when you consider that this is technically the sequel to Suicide Squad. Because at the end of Suicide Squad, if you forgot, like we all did, um, the Joker breaks Harley Quinn out of prison. It's never stated that the bomb is deactivated in her neck because she was arguably still part of the Suicide Squad, so they could have blown her head up any time. But the last time we saw her, she was in the loving embrace of her Mr. J as they were escaping prison. Next time we see her, they are having a, uh, a private breakup. And I thought, personally, that it was incredibly smart of them to allude to Joker while never at any point bringing Jared Leto back for this. And they almost retcon this Joker to be different from the Jared Leto Joker. Like, he's wearing the purple suit. He doesn't have the stupid tattoos on him. It's like, it's really... They play really fast and loose with their continuity here, which I actually kind of enjoy. Um, But Harley Quinn really is, in a way, kind of leading this film in the same way that Deadpool is leading his two films. And I think that comparison can be made with how they treat this. The the film, much like other films that we've seen and we've talked about, is very much framed from her perspective. It's her recounting the story. It's her breaking the fourth wall at many times in the same way that Deadpool would. Um... um. I would, I would just, I would just kind of argue because it's okay. not like she, because Deadpool straight up looks at the camera and like, she looks at the camera multiple times. I, um, does she though? Because I got more of that that narrator sort of aspect too. Oh, I remember like at the end she does, but like I don't like, but it's not as like prominent as like the Ferris Bueller aspect that Deadpool went in though. I don't know if I would agree with that. I, I have to preface. I watched it this morning, so it's. it's it's fairly fresh in my mind as it is for you um but i remember after the um the truck crash when she's getting chased by uh renee montoya she looks at the screen and for some for something about like tolja or like some whatever she's saying and i don't think that's a detriment I don't think it's a detriment to the film is what I want to get across, but I do think that the comparisons are fair because the only other film that really does break the fourth wall in that superhero genre is Deadpool. And you can very clearly tell that DC wants Harley Quinn to be as successful in quotation marks as Deadpool in that way. Um, Harley Quinn is kind of flanked in this movie by the birds of prey, which again is strange for me for this being titled the birds of prey but i think for them being arguably supporting players in this film the people that they got for this are really good i really enjoy journey smollett as black canary i think this is the most perfect one-to-one comic adaptation of that character we've seen and that's including not only the arrowverse but the absolutely spot on version of black canary that's in the original birds of prey uh television show Ugh. I think that <laughs> um, 
But I think she's she has the right attitude. Journey Smollett is a great actress. They did something really fun with her by making her the daughter of a former crime fighter, which she is in the comics. And they reserved her, her use of her canary cry, for really only two spots in the entire film. You get a tease of it in her character introduction, shattering a martini glass, and then she uses it full force near the end for the final um, confrontation. Uh, similarly, I arguably like uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Huntress almost as much as Black Canary. I have been, I have been a huge, I guess the word is stan now, right? I have been a huge Mary Elizabeth Winstead stan for as long as I can remember. And that dude, stems, me too. Me dude, too. and that stems all the way back to Sky High. That stems all the way back to Scott Pilgrim versus the Scott world. Um, what about Passions? Yes, Probably absolutely. Oh, she, you wear Passions? She, yeah. I re- I'm an old man too. If not in age, then in spirit. But I I love her as this weird trying to be a killer Batman, but is super awkward and doesn't know how to do it yet. Like her practicing in the mirror, like, do you know who I am? No, that's not right. Like back and forth. I really like that. And I like that this aspect of her being essentially raised by assassins makes her really socially inept. And it's those different qualities that I really enjoy. And also, to a lesser extent, Renee Montoya. I think out of all of the Birds of Prey, the main cast, she was probably the weakest for me. Just because she was a very cliche character. And they do poke fun at her, like with her, like, oh, she always talked like an 80s cop drama. And they... They're self-aware of it enough, but it doesn't yeah. forgive the fact that if we had gotten less of Renee Montoya and more of Black Canary and Huntress, that I think it would have connected with them more. Because we did not get nearly enough of Black Canary and Huntress. They got as much as they needed to be in the f- movie, but with how well they did, I would have liked to see them more. Chris, how did you feel about the initial cast? The initial uh, Birds of Prey, as they were? It's strong. Like the film is, is 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 filled with very strong actors. I'm a huge um, Mary Liz Winstead fan. I I liked her in the Thing, 2011 version of the Thing. Which, That's right. You know, you know, people shit all over it, but I watched it at least <laughs> once. <a> month, <laughs> and Sorry. And, and <laughs> clear some puke off my 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 leg. Sorry about that. And check out right? our comparisons from the original Thing and the 2011 <laughs> reboot in our next Geek Explained Extra series. <laughs> Yeah, and, and so I liked to I liked you, and I think you had a lot of personality in it. I think he was charismatic. I think he was likable and unlikable at the same time. He had that really, like, like explosive tick. You know, I thought Justin and I were watching it. I thought that was funny. Um, you know, Margot as Harley, I think is, is is a decent job. I like to see that kind of continue. Ali Wong is in it, and she's in a throwaway mm-hmm. role. But even then, she's good in her. She's good in it. Like, it, there's. You know, it's it's it is strongly casted. So as the cast kind of unveils itself throughout the film, it's fine. I don't have an issue with the cast. I have a ton of other issues with the film, but not with the casting. Like no, I, I thought I thought it was strong. So sticking with the cast then, because I cannot wait to hear you just rip this movie to shreds, uh, Andrew. With uh, with some of the you made some criticisms with Wonder Woman with kind of the um, the perception of women, the treatment of women here with. Your main cast essentially being mostly women here. How do you think they were treated, and do you have any standout performances? 
I mean, with with Wonder Woman, like my main issue with like the feminine icon that Wonder Woman should be is just right in the beginning. But then like <laughs> the other like examples and the other imagery that you have in Wonder Woman is great. In this in this movie, it's really kind of it. it this movie's awesome to me if you're a feminist and like if you are like wanting more stories like that because it's this idea that the and my girlfriend who I watched it with this morning said it's so great in that it is about a group of women who don't fit in or get along with other women kind of coming together and finding in each other. And I thought that was so cool and so interesting because like Black Canary in this version where she's kind of been a singer for a couple of years, which I actually kind of enjoy, like mm-hmm. kind of really diversifying from what we've experienced from the character. I really enjoyed uh, Huntress as well. I would have enjoyed a little more screen time with her but that that's just me i really i enjoyed um i enjoyed renee montoya in this version being a little older and having more experience under her belt because she is kind of used in the comics as this the the young detective who's just figuring things out and they flip it on its head and going saying hey she's been around the block and she hasn't gotten the respect that she deserves that's that was that's a big element in this movie is that men treat women beneath them and they're always going to be used for those reasons or whatever her or toxic masculinity will create i even enjoyed this version of cassandra kane and i'm a big cassandra kane fan of the comics i know i know i know i know i know i know i but i like here's Here's the thing. We we are never going to we're never going to get that version of Cassandra Kane. You don't know that. You don't know that. I am putting I am putting you my shut hat your down mouth. right now. We are never going to get that. You're not even wearing a hat. It it breaks my heart. It completely breaks my heart because I think that the comics Cassandra Kane can be really cool, but this version of it I think really works for the story. And something that I really kind of appreciated was just how like many Asian American actors were used in this movie. Like there, I mean, there are a lot of side players. I will absolutely admit that, but they're used really well. And they're, re- and they're used to further along the plot, which is really, really cool. Cool. Uh, but I also enjoyed uh, Ewan McGregor as black mask. And I really enjoyed this version of black mask. I mean, the sort of normal or the normal quote unquote in the comics is he is just every single Italian mobster ever was just angry and shouting and going to put a gun in your face. How dare you? He's also part Greek. He is part Greek. How dare I? How dare I? I. <laughs> but it, it's this thing of just like, well, we've seen this character. We've seen this character used the exact same way in so many other movies. He's and, 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 and so why not mix it up for this take on it? I wasn't a big fan of Victor's as because I like the original Victor's as too much of this just absolute psychopath. And like this sort of like like bodyguard slash errand boy, I wasn't a big fan of. But other than that, I, I really enjoyed a lot of this cast and a lot of how they were used as characters. Absolutely agree. I think for me, the uh, the villains are kind of a weird paradox because I think as they are, they're very strong. I actually really like this take on Victor's as it's different. Like you were saying with Roman Sionis, we've kind of seen the unhinged psychopath done before so having him be this different version i thought was interesting and the whole reveal when he like pulls his shirt open and shook you all right all good <laughs> i think andrew's chair broke um 
but the the scene where like Harley's kind of paralyzed and he opens his shirt to reveal all of the scars, I thought was really well done, and it made him more terrifying. Um, and I I adore this version of Black Mask. I'll, I'm going to preface this: Black Mask is one of my favorite Batman villains. And hearing that he was going to be in this, I thought that was an incredible choice. And the fact that they made him so different from what Roman Sionis usually is in the comics, I thought was really good too. I One of my favorite scenes is the one where he like imposes his toxic masculinity on um, that bar patron who's in his club, makes her get up on the table. It's uncomfortable to watch, and that's exactly what you should get from this character. Yes, he's charismatic. Yes, he's fun. Yes, he draws eyes to the center of the room, but he's also a scumbag, and he's also a garbage person. And I like how they did that tightrope balance with it. On the other hand, playing devil's advocate here, this Roman Sionis is as close to a comic book version of the Joker that I've seen in modern DC films. And I think that this version of Roman Sionis is a fantastic Joker stand-in. I think if they, first of all, Ewan McGregor would have absolutely killed being the Joker at any stage of his life. But... um, there's certain aspects of it, like the final uh, Doc conversation that they have when he has uh, Cassandra. I, I'm not going to call her that. When he has the little girl um, kind of being held captive. Um, and he's basically like gi- giving her this whole like, you're nothing by yourself. I could protect you. I'm the one keeping people at bay. You're nothing on your own. I think it would have been even stronger if the Joker had been the villain for this film i understand why they didn't because they didn't have time to decide hey is this going to be a retcon or not and also the fact that they killed him at the end like you can't just kill the joker Mm -hmm. or can you watch harley quinn um it's spoilers (laughs) um (laughs) but it's for me i think it works for what it is but seeing as what it could be with this being truly an emancipation for Harley Quinn from being out of the Joker's shadow, I think it could that could have made it resonate more. And that's not to say that the film doesn't do a good job telling that story and pushing that theme forward, because I think it absolutely does. Um, there are certain things that I like about the film that I don't think you would see in, in a lot of uh, mainstream superhero films. There's a moment where in the final battle, um, Harley Quinn comes out on roller skates and uh, Black Canary goes, when did she get time to do a shoe change? I was like, that's so funny. Like it, it, it pokes fun at itself. It pokes fun at the genre. I loved seeing also in that final battle when Harley Quinn hands uh, Black Canary a hair tie because that's so unique to a female perspective that I thought it was really cool to get that on there. Um, some of my favorite scenes, I thought the police raid is probably one of the best action sequences in the entire film. Uh, you can definitely tell that Chad Stahelski came in and punched up the action a little bit. I liked the fact that a lot of the action scenes in this film utilize kind of sweeping shots, which is fun. It's not as like, all right, Batman v Superman, where he's, you know, 1,200 uh, cuts while Batman is taking out these guys in the alleyway. And the police raid is also the best scene in the film because it gives a little nice nod to our good friend Captain Boomerang. He appears... As yeah, a wanted poster him. on the Jesus. wall, and yeah. that automatically makes it the best scene in the film. <laughs> oh my god! I oh, can't wait! I can't wait for the Suicide Squad. Biggest boomerang stand. 
biggest boomerang stand. You've got it right here. I also I really enjoyed the uh, the suit up scene where they are getting ready for that final confrontation. They're pulling stuff out of the of this little crate while they're looking at okay this is this this is this and that for for me the reason that that works is because all of them have such good chemistry with each other and it kind of makes me wish that we had gotten more scenes with all of them because they spend this film mostly scattered until the very end where they all come together and that is one criticism that I do have to levy towards it um, I wish we had gotten more time with all of them together because they are really really well utilized when they're in the same space uh the funhouse fight at the end is also really fun as well but again that's them all being together and most of the film is them kind of on their own journeys um chris i i've i've seen i've seen the steam coming out of your ears at a couple different times as we've been talking about it and the uh the positives in this film so give us your best andrew kincaid impression and tell us what you didn't like about this film what problems you had (laughs) Well, there are some sort of big problems with the fight scenes. Um, I, I think that I don't know this to be true. I haven't looked into it because I don't care enough to know if Margot <laughs> Robbie did a lot. If Margot Robbie did a lot of her own stunts or like the fighting sequences, there's a problem with people doing that that aren't fight trained specifically because the fight looks slow. And there are a couple of times in this that you could see it coming. It's almost like they shot the rehearsal and they decided, well, this is the best take we're going to get, especially in the police, the police precinct scene. When you have those sweeping shots, what it does on, on a cinematic level, it eliminates a couple things. Both actors really have to sell that shit and you have, you're in a wide frame, so you can't hide it. You, you both have to be on it. And in a lot of these sweeping shots you're talking about that a lot of them didn't work for me. When they get to like the locker room, maybe right before she does a little bit of the cocaine, which is a great scene. That That's, scene yeah, is like that, so good. That was that was so cool. good. Um, to me, it was just kind of no. Nah, it the, the fighting scenes never really nailed it for me. The action scenes as a whole, like you talked about the the finale, the finale felt flat. Um, fighting wise, fighting wise, not now now com- comedy wise. That's a different story. It it did feel funny. I'll say that. Which again, I'm not. But whatever. He's not but, a fan of fight, cute or funny. The 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 the, the fighting scene to me real um real slow. It seemed bad. And I go back and I look at what something that again I go back to the Winter Soldier and, and they had the fight scene when Bucky and uh, Cap are fighting in front of the van and and uh, uh, Bucky's flipping the knife around. They didn't shoot that in a faster speed. They they up the frame rate so it looks yeah. like it's faster. It's more immediate. Everything looks looks sharper. There is no motion blur, so therefore it gives the illusion of Dude. it happening faster. And Sebastian they Stan put in the work for that too. Like yeah, oh, and and, the, so and here and, and, and again, I, obviously they're both two males, and I don't want to take that away because I because because I think that um oh Wonder Woman Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot I think Gal Gadot does a great job in her stunts and her action set pieces, um but I don't think Margot does, and I know Margot's great. I know she trains to do the acrobats herself. The part I believe in uh, Suicide Squad, she that was her in there. So I know that she is physically strong. I just don't know if she's trained well enough. Like we talk about how um, the fight choreography for John Wick came in. Haley Berry, Haley Berry spent six months just in gun and and, and gun foo is what they're calling it now, right? <laughs> so I believe Halle Berry when I see her in these scenes. I don't believe Margot Robbie is Harley Quinn, and I don't think that's an actor thing. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't think that's a character thing. I don't think she's choosing to feel to be that way. I think that's the actor 
um, and maybe the camera work and it's like, you know, we're going to let you do this. And I think that there might be an issue with that. Um, so the fight scenes, they, 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 they were actually pretty bad for me. And it's funny, I was watching with Dustin and he thought the same thing. I'm like, it looks like at some point he's going to catch her. Like you can see him getting ready to catch her um, a couple times when they're, when they're, when they're doing some of the acrobats. Although they have mm-hmm. some of the really cool ones too. When she breaks the dude's leg with the bat and they keep yeah. it in the same frame. That's mm-hmm. awesome. And she snaps it both ways. I think that that's a really good use of staying in a wide and in the same frame and seeing that action sequence kind of unfold. Mm-hmm. But the police thing to me was kind of bullshit. I mean, she's going in there with these with these colored fucking grenade or, or bean bags and like this is a police precinct. I've seen Terminator. All of these guys <laughs> have guns. She doesn't even have a fucking gun. It's like, how am I supposed to even like at this point I'm this is it's probably the same way John John felt when he saw Batman shooting people <laughs> from the Batwing in in BVS. I'm like, that's how I felt when I saw this. This is when I'm like, all right, I'm I'm the ridiculousness has kind of left me. But but so I actually don't like that scene for a couple different things because the suspension mm-hmm. of disbelief for me, this is where it starts to come back. I mean, even if it is fun and kooky, and even if she has a fucking hyena, I get it. That's all cool. But when you have like this type of thing. It, to me it's like i kind of it kind of took me out of it but the, but you know i'm not saying it's not fun it is fun but there should be some sort of realism in the thing there should be some sort of grounding force in this and in this case it was fucking cocaine which is a hell of a drug <laughs> as Charlie Ray it is cocaine called. is a hell of a drug and i do have to say that that precinct is full of gotham city cops who are the most inept police force in the entire country I do have to preface that. I see what you're saying, but I do have to make that point. But yeah, I I think that some some things could have um, could have landed a bit better. Um, For me, like I said, I still really enjoyed the police raid. Uh, The biggest problem that I have with the film and one that I've alluded to already and one that Andrew alluded to as well is this girl who they keep calling Cassandra Kane, but is clearly not Cassandra Kane. <laughs> For those of you who are not aware of Cassandra Kane and the fact that she is one of the best characters in DC Comics, Cassandra Kane is the daughter of Lady Shiva, as well as uh, David Kane, two of the most four or most renowned assassins in the DC universe. Cassandra Kane was built and raised as a weapon. She is the deadliest fighter in the entire DC universe. She is typically a mute, and she, on several occasions, has gone toe-to-toe with Batman and whooped the shit out of him. Cassandra Kane is a badass. Cassandra Kane is someone who you could easily build an entire franchise around. This girl... This girl is not Cassandra <laughs> Kane. This girl, they... Literally, and I i swear I don't know this for a fact, but I can see it in my mind, that they were looking for, oh, who's a young girl in the Batman mythos? Oh, that name looks cool. Let's call her Cassandra Kane. Because this character is so just not even the same character. You could name this girl anything, and it would be <laughs> a different character. But the fact that they called her Cassandra Kane hurts me in my soul because she's also one of the best Asian characters in comics and it just it bothers me that it got kind of reduced to this uh, street urchin kid that you could have literally made any other character you could have made her Stephanie Brown it would have actually made more sense if she was Stephanie Brown 
I don't have time to get into Stephanie Brown, but just trust me when I say that it would have worked better if it was Stephanie Brown. And the thing about it is, from the beginning of the film to the end of the film, it's really about Harley Quinn taking this little girl in, becoming connected with her, and really like learning to take her on as an apprentice. But that's not what the film is should be about. This film should be about Harley Quinn standing on her own. That is the main thing that is presented to us. But by saddling her with a kid, it almost, it doesn't work for me. You could have, because the whole crux of the thing is that she swallows a diamond, right? So they got, she has got to protect her. I think you could have subbed her out for Bruce the Hyena accidentally swallowing the diamond. And you would have accomplished <laughs> the exact same thing with the exact same amount of story relevance to that character but you get more time with Huntress and Black Canary that is my biggest gripe with the film I want to preface it I don't hate it like Chris hates it but as someone who is a huge fan of Cassandra Kane, that is a big problem for me Andrew give us some positives tell us some things how do you feel about like the the points we've brought up what do you feel um, do you have any contrarian opinions like we already had about Cassandra Kane, even though she's not Cassandra Kane? Um, well, I, I do have a few. I have a few discrepancies I want to bring to both of you. Please do. Uh, first on with Chris, I completely agree with everything you said, because you are definitely the technical aspect of this. You definitely know what it is like to choreograph action scenes and how to make them look realistic and look phenomenal. I will He's very good at down. it. He is. You're 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 fantastic at it. Anyone who wants to go see some good proof, go to Chris's YouTube page. Age. And like, there is evidence there. I will Cartering say, films. Plug. yes, Cartering films. <laughs> I will say, and you will see some familiar faces in those films. Anyway, the it's true. The, Andrew. The, the thing that I want to say though is that, the, like, what I enjoy, I completely agree though. Like the whole aspect of the police scene. Like my first thought was just like, this is a whole lot of fun. You'd be gunned down in two seconds. In two <laughs> seconds, you're getting a full Gotham City Police Department. <laughs> I I completely understand that, but it, but at the same time, I completely agree with Chris into that. Just like I, yeah, you're you're getting gunned down in a, a, a single second. The opposite side that I have with it is of just how clever and just how colorful it is. And like that's something I really attribute to this movie is this movie really knows how to use color really well. Like I would have yeah. like it's very dynamic. The fact that that Harley Quinn goes into the police station and shoots people with a glitter gun is astounding. Like that is a great idea for a scene. In execution, Chris, you bring up great points and that you're absolutely right in that it could have either been handled differently or just could have been handled better in a in a way that would have actually shown that it could have been done possible or it could have just been possible. But I think like the use of like the bean bags, the use of the glitter, the use of smoke bombs, and each of those smoke bombs being different colors, I thought was really, really clever and really something kind of different than what we've gotten out of both Marvel, Marvel and DC. Uh, I still like how we said earlier. I think like, I think again, it kind of goes into a Asian woman director wanting more Asian representation. So I do kind of think that that thought process was involved in choosing in Cassandra Kane as a character. I completely agree with everything Eric said in that the original version of Cassandra Kane would have been an amazing way to do Batgirl. Like, don't get me wrong. I love, uh, I can't believe I'm blanking 
on the original bad girl. Barbara, well, Gordon. Barbara Gordon. Yes. I thank you. Like I, I love Barbara Gordon, but I love Cassandra Kane so much more. And like that character in her original way, at least like an animated uh, facet or, or something deserves it her spotlight. But in that sort of like multiverse, multiple ways, different issues, different artists taking on different, the same character in a different way. I didn't hate it. Because it was a way of just like, all right, for you, I'm giving you the name Cassandra Kane, and I am full on supporting you because this this girl is doing a great job with what she's given. Like I I'm here for it. Like maybe things will be different. We don't know. But I I I do understand both of your discrepancies with it. I just don't have as big of a problem with them. Like like one of the best things about this movie is that it shows that women can be rough and, and gruff. A whole fucking plot point to this movie is about a girl taking a dump. Like, that's the actual big plot of it. They are trying to get her to take a shit. And that's um that's really great because what other movie designed for women goes into that territory? We see Black Canary almost smoke a cigarette. Like, you can't do that in movies anymore. Or they get so much crap for having your character smoke. And then, of course... Harley Quinn does cocaine. That's astounding to see. And to see a whole group of women having to deal with these issues is so, is just so refreshing. And it's just so great. Right? So like, that's my whole aspect of it. I, again, like I've said in different episodes, this is my favorite DC movie just because it's colorful in the best way. Spoilers. Yeah, spoilers in the episode. <laughs> At the use of color. The way that Black Mask is portrayed and in kind of like it was Jer- it was it was like Jared Leto's Joker's like outfits and costumes that they didn't yes. have time that they just gave to him, which really makes more sense to me. And having this more materialistic character, or I'm always a fan of like that homeless psycho Joker personally. So seeing him all dolled up and being like a gangster in Suicide Squad never really sold me. But for this version of Black Mask, I was so game for it. I was so down. Uh, The use of slow-mo, I think, is the final... Because there's always a slow-mo scene in every single one of these DC movies. Wonder Woman did... What did it the best, but that scene with the water coming down and all of the all of the like crooks are coming out of their jail scene is done so well, and it's so refreshing to finally see these some slow mo being done. Shazam used it and it was it was shit, but like then Birds of Prey does it and it's great, and like that's kind of the thing of just like wow, you can really tell that they had a lot of fun making this movie, and a lot of people put their heart and effort into this movie. I definitely hear what you're saying. I think there's something I do have on my notes is is the uh, the color scheme is very fun. The color scheme is very good at making certain characters pop. Each character is almost like color coded. Like Harley Quinn has a lot of white and red. Uh, Black Canary is usually in blues. Uh, Huntress is in blacks and purples, so on and so forth. Uh, for me, when it comes down to the characters and when it comes down to the action sequences, I guess I fall somewhere in the middle between you and Chris. Because I'm very much like, I see the problems, but I also didn't have as much a t- as hard of a time as Chris did in enjoying the action sequences. I think when it comes to the film, it is, it is going at a breakneck speed. The 
film does not wait for you to catch up to it. And I think that's incredibly brave. The film in itself is taking, just like I talked about in the previous episode with Shazam, it's taking big risks. It's taking big swings, and for better or for worse, I think that is something that's admirable. Um, especially when you look at what it was kind of based off of. Now, Chris, I want to talk to you about comparing this to almost its predecessor. Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, whatever title you want to give it, versus Suicide Squad. Because Suicide Squad really was almost the weird blueprint for what this film was supposed to be. And yeah. as I said earlier, like this is Suicide Squad done right. This is the vision they had for Suicide Squad, but done correctly. How do you feel about the comparison between the two films? And do you see the DNA between the two? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, you could see, you know, one's made in the first half of the year, the other's made in the second half of the year. They feel similar. <laughs> I think that, yeah, I think that they do it. I think the way the story's unfolded in in, in uh, Birds, I enjoy the way they're told more than the way they were told in um, in Suicide Squad. You kind of get oh, a little sure. bit of a backstory. You still get the same vignettes, the bite-sized histories of them. And it plays well because, again, you with, with Margot acting as the narrator, she can kind of bounce in between as opposed to, you know, Viola Davis kind of giving the, this 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 tapestry of how they got to be there for a suicide. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that I think that they look very similar. I feel like it. You're you're absolutely right. It it is suicide done better. I don't think it's done right. I don't think anybody's done it right yet. Um, <laughs> Fingers crossed for James but, Gunn. We know he listens to this podcast. Yeah, he's totally yeah, got it. I, I, I got it, man. Gonna, we I, all believe in you. Yeah, yeah. I full on he's believe. He's got it. it. Yeah, he he's got it. And this, I absolutely, I absolutely believe that. There's no question in my mind that he's gonna nail it. But um, as far as the characters go, I liked Margot's character in much better in Suicide Squad. I think that interesting. You know, well, I, I I thought that I didn't get a lot of. There were two scenes that I thought that that Harley's character was interesting to me in the, in the entire span of the film. The first one was when um, she's at the bar. And uh, she's, I think, trying to talk to Black Canary, and then the guy comes up and hits on her. But there's the moment in between where she's trying to be happy. She's, you know, she's trying to move forward, and then, and then in a total, total kind of scumbag dude way, kind of swoops in at the bar. We've all seen that. Like I have been privy to that mm -hmm. very lots of times when I was younger. So it, that's that's absolutely true. With which, which I thought that there's the there's the emotional part of their character, and when she's kind of seeing what she doesn't have or what she had, and now her life has to change, kind of that whole thing that everybody goes through, through a breakup, you know, and you kind of you see it on her, which I think that was really good, and then the part at the end when, uh, or towards the end when, um, I can't think of the, the dude who the the Asian guy who knows where she's at and kind of sells her out, and it's after the she you know she's looking after Bruce, she can't find Mr. Chang, and yes, I don't know. Thank you, Mr. Chang. Um, and, and, and she says, you know, uh, it's just business. And there's that flip to where she is an anti-hero. She is, you know, she needs to do what's best for her and not what's best for her. And the and, and as you so affectionately call her, the child or the kid or not Cassandra. The child. Or whatever. The kid. The child. Whatever she, she is. Um, so there are, those, there are those two points in the film where I think, yeah, that's pretty good. But in everything else, it doesn't, in those two moments... She, are not better than the moments when we have, and she's in the bar at Suicide Squad talking, you know, we've got that old Captain Boomerang part that you love when Rick Flagg, who I despise, you guys can go, and he takes off running, Bust you out. know, and 
and she's in there and she talks about to own that you're a bad guy i i love that part and then after that she thinks that that the joker has been killed and she's been thrown out of the helicopter um and she has that moment of sadness of loss those two parts in suicide squad are better than those two parts in in uh, birds of prey in my opinion and i enjoy what margot robbie did in, in in suicide squad and i and i think i don't know if if harley is a big enough character right now to kind of build out to play against right so like in a lot of these team-ups like like in thor we had like in ragnarok we had thor and the hulk right and they mm-hmm. they, they worked well because maybe they weren't they weren't iron man and they weren't cap so and again i hate making the the, the comparison to all these marvel films but we kind of have to right it's gonna yeah. it's just gonna happen it's hard not to so i think right so you kind of hedge your bet you put two people that can kind of maybe are b-listers they can kind of create and push your film to an a point in 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 suicide squad we had that we had will smith and margot robbie and i believe that they're when they're on camera it's wonderful it's magical i can't say the same thing when margot robbie is on screen with anybody at this point in birds outside of Ewan mcgregor and they're only on screen together maybe in three or four scenes and they're not and, and until the very last one it's not very tense maybe there's the interrogation part but it's not for me that wasn't the stakes were very high at that point i just didn't feel that she was in danger it didn't feel like the stakes were high for me as an audience member so no i think that margot is again she's a wonderful harley quinn i think that she's great at it. i think that in my opinion there needs to be another talented character in the film with her to kind of drive it forward because for the majority of it she had you know the child with her and that just didn't this didn't do anything for me it's like it's it's Harley Quinn being weird or being kooky and and I don't know to me it just didn't to me to me it just didn't it just didn't land. Andrew, what do you think about that? I have to completely disagree. I don't <laughs> think that there's any character Here we go. in Rumble I, in the Jungle. I honestly disagree, like completely, Chris. And like that's no that's no meant for offense. That's just no, like I'm how not, I see the two movies. Like I see Suicide Squad and I just see this prop who is there to just sort of be the name brand for like more more people to come in because more people know Harley Quinn than they do Deadshot or or Captain uh, Australian stereotype or uh, Captain Boomerang. Put some respect on his name. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, or like any of those other characters. But then when you get Harley Quinn, then she then that draws more people in. Then you draw on the Joker, and like she's just kind of used. She's just there. Like she's got her top off, and like you can see her in her bra. Uh, and like she's putting it down and then all the guys are stopping and then they keep on going on then we get that scene in the bar which i will say is like the like the like the almost a glimpse of this damaged person that we get but then in in birds of prey that evolves to somebody who's been damaged for so long who has to figure out what it's like to be okay and who has to take off those shackles and all of us have been in toxic relationships and have had to find yourself as a new person and have had to throw off those shackles and have had to look at your old image and go, I'm not going to be you anymore. I was you and I'm not going to let that happen. I love that scene where she's like cutting her hair and she's shit and like she's shipping it and she looks in and she starts crying. Like I had a similar moment with that one because last year, both these gentlemen saw me with, with long hair hair and then and he had it dyed in the red and blue just like that too in pigtails yeah exactly <laughs> it was like like a fourth it was it was a hard look but he made it work yeah i i thought with the goatee and everything it really really shined mm-hmm. but um 
But I had a similar experience where I just shaved my head at the beginning of this year. And I looked in and I was just like, man, that was a whole lot of work that I put in. But great, move, moving forward, whatever. Or it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And, and like, I think there's... And there's just so much great moments to where we get like little moments with Harley. Like I love that I love that egg sandwich scene because it's so goofy, but it also shows like such a different aspect. Chris is shaking his head at me right now. Oh. <laughs> it shows a different aspect that we didn't have because she was trying to be the sexy cool girl in Suicide Squad, and now she's a dork. And now she's actually how like a few women I know would react to their favorite sandwich or their favorite meal of the day. Hey. Then we get that. Then we get the moments with the kid, and like, there's this great scene where she is, like, she's staring right at the kid. The camera is like right here, and Margot Robbie has such a great. She's such a great eye actress in that she can really like go bug eyed, then squint, and like really play with that. That and it's really impressive to see it, and just those little things of like little bits of a character coming out. I loved. I also enjoyed that um, scene where she gets knocked into the face, and we see this almost sort of dance sequence it kind of kind of showed that margot roe can't really dance but i thought it was a fun idea yeah maybe not fully executed to what it could be but like there was a lot of fun on bits to that because like she's getting the shit kicked out of her her and so how do we make this different let's do this into it but so i yeah i found that harley quinn was much more bearable was more well-rounded or at least showed more of a character than suicide squad did I, I do need to play devil's advocate here for a second just to, like, bring up a couple points. First off, with that scene um, where she's, you know, it cuts into this weird, like, music number. I watched that, and the first time I watched it, the second time I watched it, and this time I watched it, I was like, okay, that was shot purely for the trailer. That was so, like, they wanted it in the trailer and so they shot it. Um, because it does feel a little bit out of place. And you made a point just now. Where you were saying, as I read things back to you that you just said, um, much appreciated. Well, you basically said that, like in Suicide Squad, Harley Quinn was basically this IP that was brought in to shine a light on characters that people didn't know or care about. But arguably, that's what she did for this as well, because she was exactly. brought in as an IP character to shine a light on characters that people didn't know about. That being the Birds of Prey and other characters. So I don't know if that so much is. A difference between the two i will disagree with chris and say that i think that harley quinn was treated better in this film than she was in suicide squad just because i think we got more to do with her we talked about the fact that harley quinn was great in suicide squad but had little to nothing to do in that movie despite her being one of the leads this one she got so much to do we got to see so much more of her personality like andrew was saying and we really got to see that this weird juxtaposition between those two versions of the character can exist and can coexist within the same person. Because with what Andrew was saying, getting very metaphysical and very personal, uh, we all have like different aspects of ourselves that we kind of turn up and turn down whenever we're around specific people. Chris mentioned it during the moment where she gets knocked out of the, uh, the helicopter thinks Joker's dead in Suicide Squad, and you see her just, like, really mourning, and then she sees everyone else, and she 
turns it back on that she's like, hey. So yeah. I, I think that there is um, a happy medium between the two. And I do think that they pull it off. I do think that there are certain issues when it comes to the characters kind of coming together. I just, I don't, I still have a problem. Last time I'm going to mention it, I still just, I have a problem with the kid. I think that it doesn't make sense for the Harley Quinn that we meet in Suicide Squad for her to take a shine to her so quickly. I recognize it's out of necessity. But it is something that, again, I think could have been just as easily, um, just as easily utilized. And perhaps even more personally so if it was her hyena who swallowed the diamond. And, you know, them trying to hunt down someone who she kind of sees as her new companion after the breakup with Joker. Because we see that there's a connection there. Unfortunately, because the film was only a hundred million or however many we're going to we're going to get into it. However many the budget was, they did not have the budget to have Bruce in more than three scenes. Um, I cared more about Bruce than anybody else in the movie. I'm just saying. Animal Bruce lover Chris was, over here. But I am an animal lover. I am. He is. And when he is. she thought Bruce got blown up, I was literally upset. I, I I was upset. I was upset too. But that does mean that does mean that Chris did get invested in at least one character, and I think that's a win. There wasn't even a physical hyena there. It was a CGI blur. There That's wasn't a physical canary cry was. from Black Canary either, Andrew. I don't know if you know <laughs> this, but no. But I, get, I think... get a get an actual hyena, and I'll care about it. <laughs> but I think honestly, it is <laughs> it is something that the film has a lot of things going for it. I think it's got a strong cast, a strong direction, a strong uh, kind of um, what's it called? A strong. Uh, end game for what they're wanting to achieve and just like in the previous episode for what the movie is i think it succeeds personally obviously we all disagree to varying levels but um i think for what it does the film knows what it is which i think is something that not every movie in this series can say and unfortunately that's not quite reflected in the awards as of now as we are recording this the film has no awards to its name now it is still early on we don't have any awards really going on right now because it's a pandemic uh if you're listening to this in the future remember at one point there was a pandemic and we were all suffering (laughs) in silence yeah i don't i don't Uh, think anyone's gonna forget that eric oh god i i can dream um but i i do think that the film has merit to it and i don't think that it is you know complete trash like chris said but i do think that we need to take a closer look at one aspect that we haven't talked about yet and that is the numbers welcome to chris's number corner cue the horn Chris, talk to us about numbers. Talk to us. Whisper sweet nothings in our ears about all the alphanumeric characters that we can attribute to Birds of Prey. Starting off, tell tell us about how this movie was made. Tell us about this budget. Tell us about what it made or didn't make. It had the smallest budget of all the films we've talked about so far. It's 84 and a half. Yeah, you can imagine that. 84 and a half million dollars. So. Our last episode, Shazam, had a hundred million. That was fifty million less than Wonder Woman. So this is, yeah, this they were working with what could be called the shoestring budget. But again, this is her, this is the director's second feature film, and um, Margot probably had a lot of pull in this thing. I know she produced it. Mm-hmm. 
she was an EP on it too, so she had a lot of say in uh, in in the production, which I think is a big an issue with some of the things I have with it. But um, opening weekend, it got a solid thirty three million, so not great, not bad. Um, in the U.S., its entire run in the U.S. only netted eighty four million dollars, so it didn't make its it didn't make its budget back in the U.S. You couple in with what it made overseas with one hundred and seventeen. That's where it looks like Warner Brothers made its money back for a total of two hundred and one million dollars off an eighty-four million dollar budget. So, so, yes, so correct me if I'm wrong, but like with including like marketing and stuff, so it almost broke even with that kind of exactly because we've talked about before yeah. um, in previous segments of Chris's Number Corner that you need to make at least double your budget to really break even for this, and that doesn't include and- like marketing and stuff like that. Well, that's a good point too. So the rebranding, like when mm-hmm. they, if you change the name and you have to do more posters, you have to cut new oh, trailers, even if it's something simple as just changing a card on it, that's money because you have to pay to get it out there. So mm. I, that's something I didn't think about until actually you mentioned it. So I would probably say if it didn't break even, it probably lost money. Interesting. Um, yeah. So the numbers don't bode well for the birds, but as you say, it's not always about the money. So. It sits at 78% critical and 78% audience on Rotten, which makes it the number three ranked film in hey. the I know. Go figure. So, uh, so yeah. I mean, so it's, it's no Shazam at 90%. And it's no Wonder but... Woman, but, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> just a reminder, uh, Wonder Woman was at 92 and 88. Shazam was at 90 and 82. And here we're sitting at 78 squared. Um Again, number three. So, yeah, uh, people liked it. You know, you know, that's basically eight eight out of ten people that saw it enjoyed it. Critical and audience approved. And as far as Metacritic goes, very similar. Sixty in Metacritic, which puts it again third behind Wonder Woman and Shazam. So, yeah, a lot of people really enjoyed Birds of Prey. Um, but but again, it. I don't know what was expected to come out of the numbers. I think mm-hmm. Harley's a big IP, but I didn't know the Birds of Prey were. I have no, I had no idea. I right. think there was issues with branding. You mentioned they had to rename it. It's clear that had happened. So there was some, you know, rolling with the punches that Warner's had to do. Uh, but again, at eighty-four point five, I don't know what they really expected given it that type of budget. I think if they give you a hundred, like Andrew mentioned, you make two hundred, you get you're good. You get three, you get a sequel, and and everybody's happy. But for this, um, I don't know if there will be a, another Birds of Prey. There should be, maybe not in the current like catalog or grouping of characters um, that they had. Uh, but well, yeah, I mean, so yeah, Kathy Yan has talked about in interviews that she would love to do a sequel, but mainly focus it around the Gotham City Sirens, which would be involving Harley Quinn, Catwoman, and Poison Ivy, which I think are heavy hitter IP characters. That would have done so much better than this, probably. I agree, and I think that they definitely took a chance making it a Birds of Prey film. I think if they wanted to go the route of having the next film be a Gotham City Sirens, and then be the third, if you know, God willing, a third film happens, have the two teams fight against each other, I think it could be interesting. But Kathy Ann has talked about how in the sequel she wants to explore the relationship between Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy because that's a whole other can of worms that we haven't really gotten when it comes to uh, mainstream superhero media just yet. Um, I do think it's possible and it's coming, but um, I think it's really interesting when you look at 
both the numbers, the audience um, response to it. It's a, you know, according to those reviews, it's a top three DC film. And it's in good company with Shazam and Wonder Woman, who we, both films we've talked about to varying degrees are some of the best of the series. And I think this pretty comfortably sits in that area. None of the films in the series are perfect, and I think we've made that very clear, if anything, across every episode that we've uh, that we've put out. But I think this is what we kind of talked about last episode with a clear director vision without too much studio interference, except when it comes to the marketing, obviously, post the release. And I think that's something to be admired about the film. It definitely has its problems, but I overall enjoyed it. Uh, as we wrap up here, we're going to roll into final thoughts and rankings. I'm going to go over to Chris because I am very interested to see what he ranks this film. So give us your arbitrary Geek Explained rating and your final thoughts on Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Yeah, slash Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey okay. slash Harley Quinn colon sure. Birds of Prey. <laughs> um, I'm going to get my rating out of the way real quick because I do want to talk about a couple of things. Um, uh, my thoughts on the film. I would say, you know, I love Margot as Harley. I hope this does kind of launch her. Sometimes you have to do something mediocre because, I mean, Christian Bale was, was good. So Christian Bale was good in Batman Begins. He was great in The Dark Knight. So maybe... This, the sequel to Birds of Prey, Harley will or Margot will be great in that. So you know you kind of need to do okay before you can be great, I think. And so I would probably give this five out of a ten, and I would say I would I'm not going to watch it again. Maybe I'll watch it again because Jessica hasn't seen it, so I'll sit through it and we'll watch it again. And maybe I'll. Feel I would be really interested to see what she thinks of the movie. Yeah, I was going to give yeah. you shit that you saw all this with your with your <laughs> yeah, male roommate and not your girlfriend. <laughs> I know. Well, I no, think I, I, I would something. anyway, but I would be interested to see what she thinks of it for sure. Yeah, but I think, but five yeah. five is higher than I thought you'd give it. So I'm Same. I'm impressed. Well, I mean, I didn't. I I guess I shit on it, but I don't. I do that in a loving way because you know it's when 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 I wasn't married to the story. So when that mm-hmm. happens, you start picking apart technical things because I. It's funny. Three of us at this point in our careers. We will look at things like if a story, the way you can tell if, if a movie for me is really got my attention, I will forget about how they do things. Like like 1917, for example. I didn't love 1917 like most people did. So I was like, okay, well, where are the cuts? Bir- Birdman's the same thing. Although I loved Birdman. Birdman is the perfect example of what 1917 wasn't for me. When I was watching Birdman, I didn't care where the cuts were. I kind of thought, but I didn't like fixate on where they were at. When I was watching 1917, it was like a game for me. Okay, where would I hide the camera? Where did they cut and then reassemble it? So when you do that as a filmmaker, you can tell you're outside of the story because you're thinking about the technical part of it. You're not enjoying the creative part of it. So when I so and I think that kind of happened to me here. That's why I ended up seeing well when the fight scenes this didn't land necessarily. There were things that didn't necessarily kind of grab me. And and maybe if I were more invested in the story, I wouldn't give a shit so much about that. Or I would be paying more attention to that, to the story, the characters that I'm engrossed in, as opposed to the technical aspects that really you shouldn't be fixated on when you're watching a $84 million film. So, you know, I, and I think there were good points that Andrew brought up. I think that there are good metaphors about how how women have to overcome these these things in their lives, and, and maybe men just kind of see them as normal, but women have to be something kind of uh, extraordinarily aware of them. 
Well, yeah. especially the part for me was like that was when uh, Canary's leaving and she sees uh, Harley, you know, who's clearly drunk out of her mind and some dude hanging all over and they're about to throw her in some van. To me, I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's terrible. And I can, that's, you know, that's something that unfortunately women have to be concerned with. And it's, it's good to see female characters kind of in the director and the writer kind of addressing that and, and, and showing it on camera. Like, Hey, it's okay to watch out for, for, for other females when, when you, when you're in this, in that circumstance. So I did enjoy parts like that. I did enjoy the transformation of when you're with someone to when you're without them and kind of the inner struggle that, that somebody has to go through. I enjoy stories like that. Um, I know Eric, 500 days of summer is one of your favorite films. And they do a really good, you know, I know that because of Jessica and I, and I don't mean to keep talking about her, but every time you put up a Twitter poll, sh- sh- like, oh. shout out, shout out to Jessica, shout out to Jessica yeah, who she, always has a contrarian opinion when I post anything on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, um, I do think that you guys, it's, it's important to notice when an EP is also the lead actor in a film. That's I fair. always worry about that because that person is controlling the, the, the choices. You don't have an oversight committee where it's like, well, maybe this isn't working. You know, the person who's starring in the film is going to be like, yeah, that, that's going to sound awesome. It's the same reason that I, that I tell people, people who have specific talents shouldn't be in charge of running a film. Like our special effects guys are, are notorious for this. You know, let's, let's blow it up. Let's hang it up to the town. Let's put slime on it. Cool. But how do you shoot it? Like how, how do you, how do you make it look cool for an entire thing? So I think that's, it's important to have a macro view, but, but also, you know, the view from 10,000 feet above. And when the lead actor is an EP and this is for all films, Ben Affleck has done, done okay on it. Um, I think he Argo was really good. I don't even know if he was the EP on that, but, um, keep an eye open for when actors are also the EPs because generally uh, there's going to be some type of issue with the film, especially when it comes to that character. So uh, anyway, I'm, I'm prattling on about filmmaking and cinematography and EPs and directors and all this shit. But no, I think, it, I think it's was, interesting. I, it needs to be said. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I didn't hate this film for sure. There were films in this. I, I, I like this form more film more than I like Shazam more than I liked Aquaman. Um, but I'll, I'll go on rec. I still think out of all the films we've seen so far that Man of Steel is still my favorite. I think Man of Steel is still, which also, by the way, is the only one that did not have a last battle that took place at night. Just keep that little nugget away. I mean, when well, you're, maybe Aquaman. When well, Aquaman, but kind of the sun was coming up or cresting, like, but you know. Semantics. Control. Welcome don't to Chris's Semantics me. Corner. Don't, don't you bam, fucking bam, correct bam, me. Bam, bam. <laughs> 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 anyway, that was. <laughs> oh wait, no. What, what was the what was the piano thing we were talking about? Ba 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 ba. Ba ba Chris's semantics corner. Ba 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 ba. What is this, Morpheus? <laughs> I know, right? Now, Andrew, give us your uh, arbitrary explained rating as well as your final thoughts on the Birds of Prey. Um, so I'll I'll get the rating right out of the way. I would give this uh, probably. I would say I'll give it the same as I said for Wonder Woman. I would give it a seven out of ten, uh, eight on a good, eight on a great day, a seven on just you know just the it again. I I completely agree. That's got warts, like warts and all. I really enjoyed this movie. I completely do. So I completely understand the frustration on like a lot of technical aspects and like the action sequences. I completely understand the sort of well. I mean to Eric's. Uh, viewpoint mishandling of Cassandra Kane. Kane. 
kid. Uh, but again, like there's so many things. Like I really enjoyed how Gotham was portrayed in this movie because Gotham is just always a background. And this was finally something. And it's something I always I also enjoyed about Joker is that Gotham had a kind of personality into this. We got to see a different side in that we get to see Harley Quinn running through a market that's surrounded by buildings, which has never been done in a Batman movie. Like we've seen him in a mall, but we haven't seen him. Like I, I remember being in Japan and New York and seeing like venues like that. That. And to see Gotham like that, I was just like, oh, that's really, really cool. Well, we got to see moments with Harley that I was kind of surprised in seeing. I was really surprised how much I enjoyed Harley Quinn in this story. I completely agree in that she was once again used as a as sort of a bridge to introduce more characters. And but I'm ex I would totally be excited to see more of Huntress and Black Canary. And honestly, I think if Batgirl was in this and that whole mess of what to do with Batgirl didn't exist. I fully believe she would have been part of this story. And I think it kind of would have elevated it to like that sort of next level to what it deserved to be. I think this movie's well directed. I think this movie again uses color really, really well. It uses like female characters super well and does different things that we've never seen in a female male centered movie. And and, you know, again, being a almost 30 a white guy, I'm not exactly the target audience to this, but being with <laughs> but being there when two women saw it for the first time and both of them really enjoying it and both of them really having a lot of fun with it. I think it really did what it was supposed to do. Yeah, I, I think it's it's definitely a movie that swings for the fences. It does. It takes risks. It doesn't do the safe thing. Um there are definite problems, and we've outlined all of them, I think. But um, it is a movie that is trying to say something. It is a movie that is trying to do something to set itself apart from previous installments. Even from Suicide Squad, it does its best to try to set itself apart from that first installment. Um, I think the film is fun. I think it's loud. I think it's a little choppy when it comes to the editing, and the script isn't my favorite. Uh, Christina Hodson is also currently the uh, writer for the upcoming Flash movie, if that ever happens. And that makes me a little worried because the, I don't know, I had some issues with the script overall. But the film is fun. The film is bright. The film is something that you can see sharing with other people. Like Andrew was saying, like the two people that he's shared it with were both women and they both enjoyed it. We are... I think we've all stated before on the podcast, but just so that it goes without saying, we are all uh, straight males who are um, talking about a film that is mainly about the female experience. And I think that with us all having specific uh, viewpoints and specific backgrounds from where we are coming from, we have films that speak to us. We have your man of steel. We have your Shazam for me. Uh, we have those films that we can look to as like, okay, I connect with that to have a film for female viewers to 
latch on to, to be able to enjoy because it reflects their experience, I think is important. And um, when it comes to the rating, I think that has to be taken into account as well. And also what has to be taken into account is that this movie does what a lot of uh, the other films in this series, with the exception of one, doesn't have. And it has a reference to Captain Boomerang. So it's an easy 10 out of 10 for me. Um, <laughs> uh. <laughs> no, but I, I do I do think that um, the film is a solid 7 out of 10. I agree with Andrew. It's not perfect, but I think it is absolutely deserving of that top three spot when it comes to reviews and audience scores and stuff. Also, so, two out of three of us are straight. One of us is bisexual. Thank you. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Good for you, but, special snowflake. <laughs> but that is going to do it for now for this episode as we are recording hey, well, this I, one. I, I have a question. Hold on. I have a question. Oh, yes. So, Eric, what is you? So, so this is my, my obligatory last question. Cutting everything. So, he I always said has that one. Man of Steel was probably my favorite film of all the ones that we had seen. Andrew, are you saying that Birds of Prey is maybe it, it is your favorite film of the ones we reviewed? Uh, of all the ones we reviewed, yeah, like I would, I would say Birds of Prey is my favorite. What is your second favorite? Wonder Woman. Okay, what about you, Eric? What's your first and second? Well, I am gonna answer that with a segue because I think that deserves an episode in itself. So catch us at a future episode where we do a full-on ranking of all the films. We'll give each of our individual rankings. Um, I will say that I think right now, and I have to kind of look at everything, Wonder Woman is still probably for me. Um, my favorite, just, you know, off the top of my head. But I did really enjoy Shazam. I did enjoy this movie. So um, we will in a future episode kind of go back and rank everything. But as we're recording this, there is still one more DCEU technically film on the horizon. And that's Wonder Woman 84. As we're recording this, it hasn't come out yet. So um, but by the time that we release these, it may have come out. So depending on how the world works, um, next episode might be Wonder Woman 84, it might be a rankings episode. You'll just have to tune in and find out. But for now, for all of us here in Gotham City, Metropolis, wherever you find yourselves, and for Geek Explained, this is Eric Azana. This is Andrew Kincaid. And Chris Carter. And we will see you next time. Hola. Eh, ooh, some Latin. Yeah, we're going ethnic.